This is a post-credit scene podcast brought to you by 14HQ. What are you boys saying? Guys, guys came here like an hour late today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was, I was, um, I was late. I, I yeah. didn't even apologize. Uh, so let me offer my condolences. Not condolences. My apologies. My condolences. Who died? That Manny is not here. Not because of that, by the way. <laughs> Manny mentioned it. <laughs> my, my apologies. Uh, life was laughing. Trains were training. No pun. What, uh, what happened last night? I watched Shazam and fell asleep. I watched Shazam one. Oh, is it? Yeah, it's a great film, right? Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> no offense to anyone that works on that project, you know. Yeah, we There's love actually you. some interesting stories about Shazam, which we'll get into. Shazam two, sorry, Fear of the Gods. Um, Fear of the Gods. What we're gonna do? We're gonna start off with the draft, Ooh. and then we'll get into like what we're watching and like ooh, fun stuff, and then maybe we can talk about Shazam and. Um, Maybe one of the one of the film. best television series that's come out in quite a long time, um, but we're going to start with the draft because I think that's quite fun. It gets us in the mood, gets everyone going. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, going. Before we do so, if you enjoy any of our previous episodes, make sure to like, share, and subscribe. You can follow us on all socials. You can follow us on TikTok, Post Credit Team Podcast, also on Instagram, Post Credit Team Podcast. Drop us a like. Drop us a follow. Um, you can catch us on YouTube as well, 14 HQ Project. It was crazy. Fun. YouTube now has handles. Now we're 14 HQ Originals. Ooh. See, this is where this is where the CEO is very, very important and, and necessary. So right. thank you. Run the thing. Um, so yeah, and also if you don't, if you don't like film and television, which is strange because everyone does, but you're yeah. into maybe football. I don't know. There's a there's a good podcast called Bench Podcast, which Bench I think podcast. you should maybe yeah. check out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. With the guys Charles, Bob, Kiz doing very, very good job. Some great guests in the last couple of weeks. I would Can recommend to listen, good. especially last week, Football Manager. Oh, that was a cold one, by the way. Yeah, yeah that really was a good cold guest one. Guy. So shout out to Benched. Anyway. I've done enough nice in the other podcast. Yeah, follow man. Yeah. <laughs> um, obviously, we've got our producer Estelle in the building. Shout out Estelle. Woo! Oh, yeah, Estelle's on fire, by the way, guys. Okay, like, I know you guys are always like, you know, you're thinking that we're the handsome talent that's on camera and that, you know, um, minus Manny. But like, um, we also <laughs> but we also have Estelle in the in the background. She's absolutely murking it recently, okay? Like, studios are shouting her out and that. So, boom, shout out to the social cuts, everything that she does. Man, let's go. Zero, zero, zero. All right, guys, listen up. We're going to do uh, one draft. And then we're going to get into what we're watching. The draft today, Jason. Don't look at my laptop, you little chief, man. Bro, he's uh, so, he's hey, I'm, I'm saying, I bro. Lot, I see a lot of notes there. I'm just thinking, I'm just thinking. Yeah, <laughs> relax, man. Yeah, fair enough. All right, so enough. today's draft will be top five MCU villains. All right? So I did, give you, Got it. I did give you some time to prep. This could be very, very interesting because I actually think there are some mediocre villains in the MCU, but there are also some very, very interesting characters, some which we've never forgotten. So I want to get yeah. to know what you guys think the top five are. MCU. MCU, MCU villains, MCU. MCU, not Marvel, but MCU. Okay, and series. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. All right. So to to decide who gets to start, we're gonna. I'm gonna ask you guys a question first. The answer gets to pick first. Yeah. So the question is, what is the name of Professor Xavier? The first name. Charles. You go first. Yeah. Let's pick your first in the draft MCU villains and why. Give us a quick premise. Not too long. Not too short. Go. All right, cool. Uh, my number one pick is going to be Thanos. Yeah. Wow, really? The obvious, yeah. never the obvious it. one. You know, he's inevitable. There you go. Okay. He's inevitable. He's also also such a, you know, you could kind of understand why he did what he did. So. Yeah. Even though he's wrong. I like villains that have like reason to, to their madness, but it's still madness. And you know what? They made him relatable with the like Gamora. Yeah. So. Yeah. Good pick. Cold. Obvious pick, but good pick. Yeah. Jason. 
You've got you're, you're probably gonna have to balance out your top two oh, to he's four. He's gonna now. pick the fucking Captain America guy, man. What's it? The Virgin brother, fam. <laughs> so Jason, what's your number one? My number one is, and because you came with a powerhouse, I'm gonna have to come with another powerhouse. Mm-hmm. I'm going Kang. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Is that just because you like Josh Majors with a shot off? No. Why did you go Kang, bro? Interestingly, <laughs> why did I go Kang? Well, because of the um, just the. What's the word I'm looking for? Kind of like the the arcs that they're building to, the kind of like him in um, in Loki. Well, it wasn't him in Loki. It wasn't it wasn't the Kang in Loki, but it was a variation. Okay, cool, cool. Which cool. I will count in this, and uh, I think just kind of like the the monologue that he had and what kind of was what he showed was to come. Right. You know the way he described the actual Kang that we saw in um, Ant Man. Yeah. Uh, he. He's looking to be menacing and it looks like because we're all going through kind of like a little bit of a Marvel fatigue and he seems to be the kind of villain to kind of like bring us back up to like the end game that kind of like Thanos did as well. Yeah, over to you. Um, God, that was long, Jason. Um, I'm a that was that was that was a, a okay pick. Wouldn't have gone first because you know haven't seen them all yet. I would have gone no, number two pick. I'm going with Loki. Very very good pick. Uh, I would have had that as my number one. Yeah, he it was it was a toss up. Right, but I thought I'd give him a bone, and then he just he didn't, he, you know, he didn't bite. Nah, it was okay. But, do you know what? Just to defend myself, it was going to be my number two pick because I didn't think that Loki would live up to Thanos. Um, <laughs> but like <laughs> Loki, definitely, man, um, iconic. Um, the first Avengers movie, he kind of he kind of like shaped that film, which was which was super super awesome. He um, they were fighting themselves, and he was kind of like just manipulating that. So it kind of showed like the god of mischief that we know, Cold. Jason. All right, so my number one, two pick. Wow. Yeah. Um, and this is going to be a controversial one. All right, and you kind of like ruined the entrance with that one. Mm-hmm. But uh, Red Skull. And <laughs> the reason why I have Red Skull as my number two pick is because of the overall narrative that he had to the MCU. So mm-hmm. he being the first villain in Captain America. Yep. And then being the. Um, kind of like the ghost who kind of like watches over the soul stone i believe it was in is it endgame mm-hmm. i'm thinking of mm-hmm. and i just kind of like found it really interesting uh the overall story like he was a simple villain brought in to kind of like add a whole wider circle into the actual mcu universe so i think he's going to be- well, so how you feeling about uh jason's pick so far are you feeling threatened Oh, they're, they're so terrible. Um, but, like, mine are better. I've got so many more, but I'm, I'm going to go with one of my favourites. Um, you know, I'm a massive fan of this, uh, but I'm going to go with Hydra in general. Okay, you've picked Red Skull. I've picked his whole organisation, Hydra. That doesn't. Why? Sure, it, sure it, we need to it, deliberate here. It literally lived beyond him. Okay, VAR. We need to VAR it. I don't think we should give... Okay, cool. I'm going to let it stand. Wow. Yeah, yeah, the bias. Say. I just want to say there's a bias here. How? Hydra was the main culprit in in, in in Captain America Winter Soldier. Okay. Okay, but there are notable figures in Hydra, so That's cute. Safe to. Wow. Okay, cool. All right, fair enough. Three. Just you know. Three. I'm gonna pick Zemo. I, that's such a horrible pick. How's that horrible pick? That's such a horrible pick. That's not Zemo. I think I think Zemo's good pick. Orchestrated the war, the civil war. Good pick. Orchestrated the civil war orchestrated the beef between uh iron man and captain america he's the one who kind of like shown the truth behind the the um bucky's inclusion into the assassination of um 
Tony Stark's parents. And that civil war in itself, right, in cinematic or Marvel Cinematic History as well. It's like, first time we got to see on screen the heroes fighting each other, mm. teaming ups and whatnot. Just mm. the wider discussions that happened from a Zemo, man. Mastermind. you got to give it to them. Yeah, man. Hush, number four. Let's, let's um, I am going with... Um, oh, wait. I just, had it, I just had it in my head and it just, it just, it just literally dipped. Mm, uh, so oh, so yeah. I'm going with the all and mighty Magneto. In MCU, you ain't seen him. Damn, MCU, MCU, have we yet? No. Damn it. Mm. Um, no, we haven't. Have we? No. no. We haven't. All right, that's calm. I'm going with Scarlet Witch. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Strange, Moivus Madness, she mucked off our classic people, she mucked off the people yeah, that were there, mucked off it all, man. And uh, I think what makes her a villain now is that we've, we've been left off with her as a villain. We don't know what she's, what, what her arc is, is, is going to be like. Um, yeah, I love, an, I love a good anti-hero and she, she embodies what Loki's arc was, where Loki was like, oh, he was an evil guy and he became, he became what's it, relatable. She, she was, she was yep. evil, relatable, now evil again. I love it. There's been some controversies about how she's been written. I've seen some some stories, some talk online, but good pick, good pick. I'm with you. Nice one, uh, Jason. Number four. Number four. <clears throat> Killmonger. Good, good pick. Yes, yeah, that is a good pick. Four. That is a good pick. Uh, Go on, Jason. Explain it as quickly as you can. As quickly as I can. Well, Killmonger. He kind of like put in that whole, you know, it's, it's it's the villain that you can't hate, villain that you want to support. Like he's kind of right, but also that he was good looking. Yeah. Um, okay. That might be your reason, mm. not mine. But um, yeah, fair <laughs> enough. So that's why. Okay. Uh, what's your last pick? Uh, tough one. Tough one, tough one. Uh, but I think my last pick, okay, um, I was going to go with somebody from the Guardians world, from like that, that, that sort of thing. Or don't do that. But I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go with uh, the Wind Soldier. Decent pick. Um, with you. Talk to me. I like the it. Wind Soldier. Um, first person that kind of like shook Cap. You know, and I think what what I like about him is that f- uh, throughout now he's like this untapped strength that we have. Like he's also a super soldier that has incredible strength and, and that kind of stuff. And we don't really know his full potential, but in that film we, we we got to see how much of a threat he actually was. And people forget he he beat he he beat Cap. So yeah, and the emotional aspect between them as well, which was I think the override overriding aspects of the film was their relationship and the dynamic. Yeah, the action, the action only helped to complement their, their yeah. story. And he and he killed uh, Tony's dad as well. Tony's a parent, so makes him even more of a villain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cold-blooded killer. Yeah. Over to you, Jason. Raw spicy talk. Cute pick. I've never heard him talk like that. It's a cute pick. Who's gonna say My fifth one. And I'm even a bit mad at myself that I didn't have him higher. No more. Oh, that's cool. Okay. What? Yeah, talk to me. NFL uh, draft. Huh? Uh, 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 bro, all, all, all he is is an NFL draft pick. Just Jason, explain Wait, it. Is Justify, it? fight all back, right, bro. That, well, is it? No, I'm just trying to. I'm trying to hear him out. I'm trying to hear him out. Well, so he's the one who shook Wakanda to its core. Wakanda, who thought they were number one in technology, which they were. Namor came in, shut the whole game down. Mm. Like came in one of the best MCU villains in my opinion that we've seen on screen right. similar to Killmonger he had that relatable thing where you can kind of see where that he's coming from mm-hmm. with his people and his speech to um, uh, Letitia Wright's character Shuri you know where he's kind of like the person that we got to interview yeah, oh yeah we the person did. we also got to interview is on YouTube um, <laughs> <laughs> 
We as a team. Yeah. As oh, a team. Black Panther knows us. <laughs> wow, 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 wow! I was but, but listen, that, that's a that's a sick pick, man. But you know, he died because he or he he lost he because he didn't have any Vaseline. So yourself. Um, um, some some of the picks that you guys might have missed out was Ultron. Yeah. Uh, Vulture in uh, Spidey. Nah. Um, Hella in for like, uh for Ragnarok. Uh, the Mandarin. Nah. nah. Um, Mysterio. Nah. Yellow Jacket. So yeah, those were some of the ones that you might have missed. I was thinking of like with Celestials and that kind of stuff. Yeah, ego. Saying. Yeah, ego. Um, but yeah, cool. Interesting. Or gore. Good stuff. Gore, good butcher. Right, guys, we've got five minutes into this section of what we've been watching. We're going to do a quick sweep up of what we've been watching over the last maybe watching. week or two. Uh, we're going to start with you, Hush. What have you been watching and why? And why, um, why should people watch it? Oh, boom. I've been catching up on, on uh, John Wick. Uh, you guys already know from our viral clip <laughs> that <laughs> that I'm a huge fan of, of John Wick, uh, thanks to this man over here. Um, so I've been just um, catching up on, on the cold moments. Obviously, we were having a little geek out moment previously about like su- su- uh, about like certain scenes. The Boogeyman. Yeah, the Boogeyman. Baba Yeager. Baba Yeager, fam. With a fucking pencil. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's <laughs> cold, <laughs> so cold, man. But yeah, man. Um, so yeah, super excited for that one. Obviously, been catch up for a reason. You know what I'm saying? Um, Drawing falls out soon. Um, in regards to series, is um, what have I been watching? Series, 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 series. Um, obviously. Oh, I don't know, man. What films have I been watching then? I've been watching best stuff. I, I don't know why my head just my head just on a crack right now. Oh wait, um, went to watch a few things. Yeah, man. Come back to me. <laughs> Jason, okay. over to you, man. What have you been right, watching? I'm just going to go real quick. The What I have been watching and binged is Swarm. Okay, talk to me. It's, it's been a lot of controversy and talk online about this it's series. It's controversy, it's just interest. It's just interest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. let's be real. Let's be real. So, uh, just to, I was just uh, trying to be a typical host, but fine. <laughs> <laughs> just a little bit of uh, context. So, uh, Swarm is a show created by Janine Nabber and Donald Glover, aka Charles Gambino. That's why you watched it, isn't it? That is what intrigued me first. But then when I looked into it further, like the acting credits and the writing credits, so mm. Neil Obama. So, you didn't, wrote so, you, so you never saw the clip on. Twitter and then went we to go watch it after. We will get to it. We will get to it. So okay. I'm just going <laughs> to set out the scene first. Absolutely interesting. Billie Eilish was in there uh, as well. And Apparently she did really well. She did do really well. Um, isn't the highlight of the show though. Uh, but wouldn't, wouldn't have uh, expected it. Yeah, same. <laughs> uh, Chloe Bailey is in there and also Damson Indris. Uh, My man. Damson's been causing some controversy Damson online himself. Has been causing. I think he said something about um, his mum thought. Yeah, caused a whole lot of stir. He said, oh, I saw that still. He said, like, his mum thought in um, Snowfall that yeah. he wasn't acting, and she was like, wow, da, da, da. And then people were like, oh, why are you mocking your mum and the Nigerian culture? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, everyone's so sensitive, man, these days, though, man. Allow it, Yeah, there's, yeah, that's, that's It's one. a joke. You're on a talk show, you're meant to tell stories and just laugh. But, um, yeah, so, so that's Swarm. Now, Swarm obviously has been going online because there is a certain scene in the first episode where Damson Indus and Chloe Bailey. Be careful, bro. Uh, um, they're engaging in sexual activities. Engaging yeah, 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 in sexual yeah, yeah. activities and Damson. They're pamming, fam. Damson Idris had a little shit grin. It was lit. Smile about it. You know, he felt like a little bit too happy to be where he was at. And. You know, but but that is kind of like the, the hold up, hold up, hold up, Chase. Wouldn't you be wouldn't you be that happy if you were in that position? Pause. That's that scene. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, that's post credit scene after dark. 
I never want to hear that. I never want to hear that said again. Uh, wait, 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 wait. I, I never want to hear that <laughs> sentence. You, you have to clip that, yeah. Again. <laughs> yeah. I never want to hear that again. Uh, anyway, in my life. To clip anyway, it. anyway, anyway. <laughs> but now we're, we're getting After we're getting fucking too, dark, Jesus we're, we're, man. We're getting too far from the point. We're getting too far. No, from we're the point. not. <laughs> because obviously that's the most viral talked about scene at the moment. But like the show is so much more, man. So the main character Dominique Fishback is uh, playing a girl called Dre, who is a huge fanatic of this artist in their world called Niger. The allegory between them or the comparisons in the real world would be the Niger is kind of like the Beyonce. Beyonce, yeah, I've seen the talk. the hive, hence the name Swarm. Now, and the story follows essentially That's her. That's cold. Who then uh, becomes a serial killer. That isn't a spoiler. That's just the sell of the show. And you kind of like get to see, it's kind of like a little bit of a fractured narrative where you see her kind of like, go from each killing why she's killing people and stuff like that it's very interesting i do want to shout out dominique fishback man like she, apparently it, it, it's her first role you wouldn't like she is such a vet in that film like mm. uh like you mentioned billy eilish being a top uh, uh like um or did well in that series fishback like she absolutely killed it um and so did everyone else to be fair but like she is the star of the show and cool it's very good Cool, decent. Uh, I've been watching two si uh, different series. Um, I've also watched Shazam recently, Shazam 1. Uh, watched Shazam 2, which we're going to get into. Yeah. Um, what other films have I watched? John Wick 1. Wait, what's the si what's the series? So the first series is Mayor of Kingstown. Uh, it's a Paramount Plus series uh, starring Jeremy, Jeremy Renner. Ooh! Okay. Yeah, yeah, he's like the lead, actually, to be fair. He plays a character called Mike Mikulski, who's like a former prison guard who becomes like the male Kingstown, and Kingstown is like essentially like the prison. Mm -hmm. And he has to navigate sort of like the different alliances of the people in the prison as well yeah. as outside the prison and sort of like how there's different political like, scandals, gang violence, portrayals. Like, it's a really good series, quite gritty. Um, it's good to see Jeremy Jeremy, Jeremy Renner um, in like this different type of role. Mm -hmm. uh, we've all become accustomed to knowing him for Hawkeye. Yeah. Um, and obviously, he's done more than that, don't get me wrong, but it's good to just see him as a lead in this type of series. It's very gritty. It's dark. It's quite fun, though. It's quite humorous as well, actually. Mm. Uh, so it blurs the lines of both quite well for me. Um, it's the, the fictional town is set in Michigan as well. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's really enjoyable. Like, it sort of looks at the economical hardships of that world as well as like the political aspects, kind of like the corrupt political aspects of it. Mm. So I'd definitely recommend it if people haven't got like much to watch. Um, I'm only like five episodes in, but so far, so good. Damn. All right, um, let's do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I've been watching uh, the one and only Ted Lasso. Uh, oh, so, yeah. you know, do you know, yeah, the marketing for that has got me, man. I think I haven't actually watched it ever. So I think, I'm, like gonna, it. I think yeah. I'm gonna watch it, man, because the marketing has got me, man. And every season, it's only three seasons, right? Yep. Yeah. Every season they do, and they do the video like the promo for it prehand. I'm like, bro, this is lit because I know about last season they use like they use like yeah, for like, which is cold. And then now the adverts that I've seen of it and stuff, and the way that they're kind of like like relating it to sports now, as far as I can see from like the, from like the trailers and stuff, it looks cold, man. From what I've heard, the the, the actual goal is to to make Americans more interested in in what they would call soccer, what we'd call football, mm. to make them more invested in it as a. Like one of the more popular sports, as we know, the NFL and basketball tend to dominate US sports, which is completely understandable. It's part of their culture. Yeah. Um, well, shout out to Kim K because uh, she was FaceTiming Saka fam. Yeah, Bakayo. Yeah. Yeah. Starboy. Yeah. Um, but he's 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 um, got that that number saved now. You know what I'm saying? He's signed to fucking he's signed to uh, New Balance, bro. There's no loyalty to Kanye. You know what I mean? It's just. 
I don't know. I don't like what you're trying to insinuate here. I don't like S- what you're trying to insinuate. S- Saka could, yeah, yeah. Saka, yeah, could, Saka could be a, a new skeet. <laughs> um, but yeah, Ted Ted is like a comedy television series, Apple Plus T, Apple Plus TV, um, and it's just it follows a character called Ted, who's like a American uh, college football coach who's hired to become a professional soccer coach in England, despite having like no experience in the sport. Um, and it's really interesting. It's quite funny because I feel as though the series tends to focus more on like themes, like very theme-based, like perseverance, friendship, community building. Mm. Uh, his his aim as soon as he comes into this football club is not necessarily his prowess as a football coach or the mm. tactical or anything, mm. which would put people that don't watch football off watching the show. It's mm. more to like just make it a family-friendly about optimism and perseverance and. Like the humorous moments are really, really good, man. So so far so good. It's really interesting. I'm five episodes into that as well. Um, and the great thing about it mm. is that it's like thirty seconds per, per thirty minutes. Sorry, thirty minutes. But say what? Kind of crazy episode. Man, like thirty seconds. <laughs> it's like thirty minutes per episode, so you can fly through them very quickly. You don't. You don't have to necessarily be paying like hundred percent attention to the series. You can be doing something else and watch it at the same time. Mm. Yeah. But that's not that's not a discredit to the series as a whole. The series is still really engaging, but you can be doing it. It just means that it's an easy, yeah, it's, it's an easy watch. Definitely. So, um, yeah, that's it. That's what I've been watching. Ted Lasso, really good. May have oh. Kingstown, really good. Cold. If you haven't done so, go check it out. And that's um, that's it. Amazing. All right. Oh, good. This is a post-credit scene podcast brought to you by Fourteen HQ. So guys, Shazam Fury of the Gods, otherwise known as Shazam 2. We were invited to a multimedia screening this week. Um, so thank you to AMPR and Warner yes. Pictures for the invitation. Always always grateful for the opportunity. Um, before we start, what, how, how are you guys feeling about the film prior? So, you know, about the Shazam uh, franchise and then about the film as a whole. Yeah, uh, you, you go for it. Yeah. Like, yeah, be very honest, man. I Yeah, man. Like, the first film was a five. So I didn't expect... So much higher than that. Uh, right. Black Adam maybe gave me a little bit of a more expectation because Black Adam wasn't like a fucking eight or nine; it was like a six point two. Right. You know what I'm saying? So like, I thought maybe it hit six, okay. but it didn't hit six for me. So um, I I didn't have extremely high expectations, but I think I was excited for James Gunn, even though I didn't, even though we know he's not involved involved yet. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Well, right. no, he is, but he's not. He didn't have anything to do this film. Yeah, he didn't, He's yeah. been announced that he's directing Superman Legacy. Yes. Mm-hmm. So uh, that would be interesting to see how that t- that sort of pans out. Um, Jason, any thoughts? Yeah, no, not really. Like, he pretty much put it succinctly. It's just one of those things where it's just like you, like, Shazam was an okay film. And you're just thinking, okay, cool. It can't be worse. <laughs> I watched the first one last night. And what I did enjoy about that film, because the first time I watched it, I hated it. Um, I rewatched it last night and I kind of did enjoy the aspects of when it kind of just explores Billy as a child. Like when Billy's just being a kid in high school, being a typical teenager, like um, dealing with the abandonment issues that he has with his with his mother yeah. and having to now try and to acclimatise to this foster home and, and fit in with these these people who have already established their, their, their dynamics and their relationship yeah. and the hardship of that. Um, when it gets into the fantastical superhero bits of it, it just doesn't doesn't do anything for me. And I don't think that's because of superhero fatigue. I just feel as though, I don't feel as though I care enough about Shazam. Yeah. Or at that point, shall I say, cared enough about Shazam as a character. I saw someone say something like, um, you know what it is, at the time when the DCEU was, not intact, but it was like, had a better structure, okay? Yeah. Like when the first one came out, it's like, it wasn't the right, 
character at the time. Not the right film, just the right. It wasn't the right character to introduce. And I think that's the difference between Marvel and, and DC. I think DC, sometimes they sit down in the boardroom, okay, and think, what character can make a good film? Whereas what Marvel done, okay, was what character can help the other characters um, in this wider story? Yeah, to kind of like work off each other and stuff yeah. like that. And I think that's actually an excellent point. Fair play to you. Uh, <laughs> man, said, man said that like he's surprised. Yeah. <laughs> no, because he didn't like, even deny it either. You, you look I'm at here all day. <laughs> you look at like all of the other DCU films that came out at the time, like the the darker tone that they've set, like and Shazam felt a little bit like Whiplash, where it's just like this was yeah. a bright, colorful film. Which is there's nothing wrong with it, but like if you want to create a certain universe that wants to work in tandem, you also all kind of like have to not set necessarily set the same tone but kind of like be on the same vibe which is what marvel did so mm. well like each film had the similar amounts of human seriousness with and them. then they started throwing fucking jokes everywhere but never mind that's in itself a problem. also those but- those those bullies yeah you know, like I was watching that Architect. first one, yeah. I, I was like, this is crazy. Obviously, it's typical like high school bullies, whatever, whatever. I was like, bro, you might not bullying a like a, a disabled kid. It's a bit brazy, fam. You know what I'm saying? And, and nobody around the whole school, yeah. Nobody's around just to be like, yo. That's, that's kind of crazy, you know, because bro, like that that's not relatable now. Because right now, yeah, okay, we know that cancel culture is cancelling the whole culture. All right, so like you're telling me, you yeah, that for saying cancelled. Yeah, yeah, facts. So like, you, you, you're 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 saying to me, if you kick, um, be careful, a, like a, a or say a kid down with his wheelchair or crutches or something like that. Yeah, you kick him down, right, and someone posts that on. On fucking on like Twitter or something, that person's not getting run up, like getting cancelled completely. These men were bullying at you, you know, yeah. bullying him, like trauma thing. So yeah, that was the first film. Um, so Shazam: Fear of the Gods is a 2023 American superhero film based on a DC Comics character called Shazam. It's produced by New Line Cinema, DC Studios, and Saffron Company, distributed by Warner Bros. Pictures. It is a sequel to the first Shazam, which came out in 2019, which I can't believe. Time's flown four years crazy um it is directed by david f sandsberg and written by harry gaden and chris morgan stars zachary, zachary levi, levi ashley angel uh, jack grazer rachel zegler adam brody ross butler megan good lucy Liu, and helen mirren um megan good jokes by the way we'll get into that and and the film obviously follows the character called billy baston aka shazam and his uh, sort of fellow siblings in the in the foster home what did you think about the film guys first thoughts let's get into it dead oh just dead. Wow. Just dead. It, it was dead. Man. I, don't think, I think dead is harsh. It was better than the first. So, I think. Yeah. So then, I think that's harsh. I think dead is harsh. Yeah. I think dead is very harsh. Okay. It was. It was better than the, than the first film. One hundred percent. Um. It had a bit more depth. I. I think. It had a bit more. Um. We got to kind of understand their powers a little bit more. We got to understand their superhero yeah. motives a little bit more. You know. Um. How all of them have have still want to have like. Or some of them want to have lives outside of being superheroes. You know what I'm saying? So that was pretty pretty cool. I liked that we got to see um, a villain that wasn't like a like the first villain. Like felt like in the first film, okay, felt like the the Sonic villain that Jim Carrey plays. You know what I'm saying? It was just like it was kind. Of, I think it was based upon him and his childhood, where his dad he had this like big fantastical dreams. And yeah, stuff, and his dad was like, Sh- shut up, and then. Yeah. <laughs> They sort of abandoned him in a sense. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it, he was the cause of his dad's accident, I think, from what I remember. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I I guess I get you. The second villains uh, who were um, played by uh, Helen Mirren and Lucy Liu. Yeah, she was dead by the way. And actually Zeke, who? Lucy Liu? Lucy Liu was awful. 
Oh, right. Okay. Lucy Liu was Lucy Liu might might be. Bear in mind, I like her. I was just saying that role for her, yeah, might be her weakest role I've seen her play in so long. Honestly, she was so bad, man. She was. Is that through acting or writing? Uh, acting, bro. Like she, she, she didn't even sound. She didn't even sound believable. She didn't sound like she could actually threaten me. She didn't hear she didn't, it. Yeah, like she just didn't like, like, bro. Helen Mirren and like well, she, Helen Mirren was good. She was really good, and she was a lot more just... menacing, a lot more funny actually do you know what i'm saying like it, it was that moment that she she found the right tone for that film the like perfect the, tone and um sort of the the grim dark tone you kind of want from a villain to make it believable i think she found that balance really well i don't think lucy Lee was bad i think it's been harsh i think she was okay i think she did she did okay um I thought, get them kill them work for you yeah. but that's how it's done right I mean, don't lie, don't lie, don't lie, don't lie. Bro, 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 I'll tell you, bro. I'll right, tell do you know what? Do you know what? I think, I think, I don't think you're wrong. I think you're just being a little bit harsh. That's that's all. From the depths of hell. <laughs> Shut up, bruv. The movie, oh. <laughs> the movie follows the story of Billy Baston, who's a teenage orphan who transforms into a superhero called Shazam when he says the magic word. Guess what? Shazam. Shazam. Um, Shazam Fury of the gods, Billy and his foster family must face a new threat posed by the villainous Hespera and her sister Calypso, who are ancient gods seeking to cause havoc and destruction. Um, did you feel any of this havoc and destruction? There was a lot of... You know what? One thing I will say about this film, there was a lot of action. But for me, I hate action for the sake of action. Well, I think there's a lot of action because there's a lot of heroes. There's a lot, there's a lot of heroes, yeah. yeah. But my point is, is that when it's not driven by a purpose, which we can get into later, because uh, there's a series that completely... Yeah. Yeah, the flips. Well, anyway, but yeah. Um, on, this didn't... I, I, I just sat there and was like, oh... Cool, throwing someone into the wall. Cool, mm. throwing them into the car. Cool, kind of. I didn't feel. I don't know. Maybe I've reached a bit of a point where I need to f understand why your actions, why you're doing what you're doing, and what drives your purpose. Yeah, actions. I need to understand it. Other than the fact, oh yeah, we want to get back our staff that we lost a thousand years ago, however yeah. long it was. It was kind of like, okay, it was cute. It was cute. It was cute. It was cute. And bro, like, how lie. how are you gonna have an an Avengers level? Um, scene in San Fran, I think they're based in, or, no, no, Philadelphia, right? Okay, how are you gonna have a um, Avengers one level thing where like there's aliens coming down or wherever they are, okay, uh, mystical creatures, mm -hmm. and they're murking people off, bro? Like we're 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 watching them, yeah, grab people, dash them, like whatever. Da, da, da. At least in the Avengers. Even though it's not real, okay. At least in the first, in the first one, they like addressed it at the end where there was like there was like news reports, there was like uh, a death tool, there was um, like the flowers in, in the buildings and that kind of stuff. Because it's still it's still a human issue. Do you know what? You know what I'm saying? These men just dipped in them and had dinner. It's because because I think the problem with that is right. It's like and as you said, like you just need a little bit wider information. Like world building, world building is so key nowadays. Where people and we'll get to the other series who does it so well, where you can build an intricate fictional universe where you think to yourself like, okay, cool. This not obviously that we're thinking it's real, but like you want to be immersed in the story. And because they kind of like um, like doing actions for action's sake, you can never really believe into the whole thing, which. I think we should touch into it now, which kind of goes into the whole DCEU problem, in my Go opinion. On. Where, like, because the DCEU currently is in such a state, right, where, <laughs> where James Gunn has come in and kind of, like, said, okay, we're going to kind of, like, reset the universe. And uh, Shazam 2 is kind of, like, in between that way, where it's just, like, like it's part of the old DCEU. Right. James Gunn had tried to spin it into the new one okay. it's just one of those what, things how did he try to do that from your from your sort of from what you took from the film 
how? Yeah, how, how did they try to morass the two? That's that that is Gal freaking Godot fam. Okay. Yeah, there you go. Who the, listen? I I but I love her. Why is she okay. careful though? But that's exactly it. That's exactly it. Like, because the question you're asking, like, how did he do that? I don't know how he do, did it because I don't think he did it because. But you said he tried to. So that's what my I question was that. more so. How do you think? How did you see him trying to make marry the two? Oh well, with Gal Gadot as right. and the other post credit scene, the other post credit scene, which with but on the Gal Gadot scene at the moment, like, I just have such a problem with it at the moment where it's just like, like you have already come out and said ahead of time, and this is James Gunn by the way, that he's not going to be bringing back uh, Gal Gadot. But I think he was lying though. I think he was purposely lying. I like I I think he is bringing, bro. I even think like. Look, he's bringing back Ben Affleck. That's one, and then that Affleck came out last week and said that he's not going to d- direct or work on any James Gunn films. And he I said, and he said the whole thing about like he he's like he's got he's got no problem with, with, with James Gunn. Gunn, which I think is chatting shit. But he was like, he's got that he does. He's got no, yeah, I think he does. Yeah. But he goes that like, he has got no problem with uh, with him. It's just that maybe like their visions aren't aligned on what they want to go with. Mm. You know what I'm saying? The difference between Gunn and Affleck here yeah, are are different types of comic book fans, right? It's kind of like the beef that Kevin Feige and Edward Norton had when it was the Hulk days. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Edward Norton was is a massive comic book fan. He's a nerd, bro. Yeah, and he loves Hulk and he wants to play Hulk and be Hulk. Da, 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 da. Kevin Feige still still produced that film, but Kevin Feige has an aspect of it where it's like. I don't, I don't have to play these roles. I'm a fan too. I can look at it such like subjectively and I think that's what Gunn tried to do with Affleck I think he tried to be like yes you're a comic book fan but you're also kind of like maybe you got you got like actor's ego and you have to play these roles or be in these movies yeah. or do this or do that let me be the one to kind of pick and dictate where people go and I don't think Affleck liked that oh, Affleck. I, I just don't think they were ever gonna it was ever gonna happen I think Affleck had just had enough which we can which we'll get he into he never do because he keeps coming back but we're gonna no but we'll get into his some of his comments in, in maybe the next segment but sure. I just feel as though he was kind of kind of done with I think he was contractually had to be in this room. That's what I believe. Yeah. That's the only reason why he Yeah, did that's it. What I, yeah, I think it's just Did you think so? Yeah, literally. God damn. I think that's that's all it was. Um but to get back to Shazam, and interestingly there were some quotes from from the from the director, uh can't remember his name, David F. Sandsberg. So mm. he said right from the start and from the first script, uh Wonder Woman was always meant to be in this film. But I didn't believe it was going to happen because of what happened on the first movie where we had to have a headless Superman cameo. I don't know if you guys remember that. Yeah, yeah. Well that was going to happen here too. So I started to think, okay, when we can't do it and when it falls apart, how do we, how do we bring back Shazam to life? So he was always gonna I kind of hope he didn't. I kinda of hope they didn't bring him back. That was my hope in that film, that he didn't come back to life. Kind of kind of just took away it's the same thing that happened in Ant Man. I kinda of wish that something bad had happened to And if yeah, Sh- bro, if Sh- if Shazam can I just say, yeah, you know how much it would have been a great ending. What, it, 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 no, like if you're, yeah, if you're Probably trying to, if, if you're, if you're trying to reset a universe, okay, like if Marvel, let's just say, yeah, that Marvel had a horrible MCU, yeah, right, and they hit like phase four, joke, joke, no, let's say, let's say phase one didn't pan out how they wanted right. it to yeah. pan out. They, they, they get to Avengers. Avengers was a meaty film, right? And the only way to fucking, and then before they even get to the Avengers film, yeah, okay. Disney go, yo, we're resetting after this. Yeah. Okay. S- someone dying would be a perfect yeah, reset. Perfect way, yeah, <laughs> keep him dead. Keep Do you know Shazam what I'm saying? Because if Shazam and, dies, something terminal that happens. Yeah, yeah, then that is a perfect reset because then you at least that film has a lot more weight to it, and then you can base a lot off that film. And he, even if it's, and the fact that he 
it was kind of an interesting thing, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> that they tried to do in the film where they kind of tried to make it. In the first film, Billy couldn't let go of his former family. In this film, he couldn't let go of his current family. Yeah. yeah. And he finally got to the part, to the path where he was able to let go of his family for the sake of the city and for the sake of humanity. And it was kind of like, oh, this is this is kind of it's kind funny. of interesting. It's you kind of got me. Arc. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then you kind of brought it back to life. I was like, oh. and it would have been perfect, yeah, if he died and then all of the kids looked like lost their powers because of the thing you write. So then there's no like, oh, what's happening and next type of yeah. thing. Yeah. Like, like it's normal lives, like it's just yeah, it's normal lives, etc. And then you can even bring back. Um, uh, what would you call it? The original uh, Shazam. I forgot the the actor's name. Uh, the black dude where I said it makes no sense that he's oh like, uh, Jimon Hanusu yeah I probably definitely butchered his name so I apologize yeah legend of the game as well yeah but like him, him we can get into some of his quotes maybe, yeah, yeah. maybe yeah, him this time. coming back made no sense at all um, he didn't even explain it well he was just like oh I I died in this realm and not the other realm but then you came back to the, the <sighs> just I, I, I just think the film is a, a kind of like a great reflection of the current state of the DCEU do you think it's arguably I've seen a lot of talk that it's arguably the state of the whole superhero f sort of thing as a whole harsh I think it's I've seen that talk a lot bro I've seen it a lot on Twitter yeah I think I think, I think, I think there's a lot of just superhero fatigue and if it's not going to be a blockbuster if it's, if it's not going to be a something like the Batman yeah the Batman in tone so, had so you're saying that it's moving away from like suspense superhero films into more of like a conceptual superhero films I think that's partly it I think like because I've seen people saying, and I've used that phrase quite a lot, that they're kind of tired now of the whole universe building and everything has to be connected. For me, it's fine. I can, I can, I can have bits of both. I don't yeah. mind something being connected and something being unconnected, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and I think people have kind of mentioned that in the, in the last couple of weeks, the months, to maybe even years, where they're tired of everything being connected. You have to watch everything. Mm. Imagine, for example, just using MCU. That's what? How many projects have they got? 30, more than mm. thirty, easily thirty or yeah. thirty-one films. I think they're probably in like the mid forties for projects as a whole. If you are someone that wants to start from the beginning, that is a lot of work, for example. So I can understand that premise. Charles. That's what? I told him that he needs to start the fucking MCU, bruv. He hasn't started it. Ever. He's alright. He looks calm. He doesn't even look phased. Look at him. Look at <laughs> him. I'm being serious. I'm being serious. Oh. Yeah. I'm bothered. Okay. I'm bothered. <coughs> Whoa. <coughs> That's Shrugging his shoulders. That's what me back. Um, yeah, but let me just finish the quotes from the director. It's been very... He's had a lot of interesting <laughs> quotes. He said... um. Well, we have to bring back Helen Mirren's character, Hespera, to sort of bring back Shazam. What are we going to do? But it actually did happen. When he says it actually did, he means that uh, we got Wonder Woman's yeah. cameo, Gal Gadot, um, which was great because then we could poke fun at the headless cameo of the first movie, which they did, with, uh, with the wizard, dream sequence, and then things like that. But we never could have done that if we didn't actually have Gal at the end because people would have been furious. So I think they used, obviously they did the thing in the middle of the film where Gal Gadot. To be fair, that was funny. It was funny. There was some, there was, there was, there were some promising aspects of this film. It's not a bad film. You could watch it at home on Netflix when it comes onto Netflix, or it's a good streaming Prime. film. Yeah, it's a good streaming. Good film. streaming film in the background. You, you, yeah. should, you should have something to watch because you should yeah. be listening to us and we're going to tell you what to watch. But if you don't, stick on Shazam while you're doing your essays or whatever. <laughs> mm. It's fine. That's our. That's our. Run up of Shazam. I think yeah. that's fair. I think so, man. Uh, if you want to watch it, um, do it. If you don't want to watch it, don't watch it. Don't, don't watch, watch it. it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Great review, guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you, you do? Uh, scores. Do scores on the board. Uh, five, and, five and a half. Five. Sure, five. Yeah, five, seven. Yeah. Pretty pretty much uh, agreed there, I guess. Kind of. Yeah. Somewhat. But Karen and Vitalis Warner, we love you. <laughs> 
I mean, we have shouted out some of their projects this year that have we been have. good in previous times that have yeah. been good. So it's not a complete discredit. We're looking forward to The Flash, for example. We are. We are. We're looking forward to The Flash. I mean, I love the trailer. I did a... Did you hear t- uh, Tom Cruise? Tom Cruise said he absolutely loved the film. So he, 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 he said that it was it was revolutionary. Crazy. Boy. That's, that's but I called it from like season one. I said from day that I said this is the be- one of the best storylines of all time. And I, oh honestly, yeah, like they're they're the f- they're working off a great great kind of like foundation. Yeah, it's, it's it re- it hard, it reminds me of a uh, Wonder Vision, where like where like Wonder Vision is amazing because they picked the 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 House M comic book and and obviously the 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 Scarlet Witch comic book right, and it's like because they got them two and just like mashed them together, they had a great like 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 foundation. The Flashpoint storyline is one of the best storylines ever, and I've watched it in very. I've watched it in animation. I watched it in the series. Okay, and, and we're and we're like about to watch it in cinema now. Every time it's been cold. It's talking them about eight and a half years or so to get there, but we're yeah, yeah almost, almost there. We're almost there. Yeah. Um, Rome wasn't built in a day. Yeah. Very very nice of you with that. Yeah. Let's uh, let's that's our segment rounded up. Boom. Thanks, Shazam. This is a post-credit scene podcast brought to you by 14HQ. So, guys, one of the films I'm really looking forward to seeing for this this year is Air. We've seen a lot of trailers for this film, man. Mm-hmm. Um, well, from your understanding, what's the premise of Air? Why why should we why should viewers and people be intrigued by it? It is um, the story of Phil Knight and. Um, Story of uh, Nike and their, um, I was gonna say their um, their rise, but it was, it, was, it was actually their resurgence. I'd say it was it was their moment of marketing genius. You know, um, obviously, I'd say like the sport the, the sporting industry was really based on what Adidas done. You know, in the World Cups and the and the yeah, especially in basketball, but yeah. in like the uh, in like the world cup and the uh, and world the cup. olympics you know what i'm saying and that kind of stuff like i had set, set the president of sports marketing nike then took it to from sports marketing to consumers to sports marketing to fans to athletes to mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying and that's it's that, that's the the the, sto- the story of air it's, uh, it's how it's how nike made the signature shoe made a signature brand for the one and only michael jordan which obviously then leads to the Ronaldo's and the Ronaldinho's and the LeBron James's and everything. So yeah, it's the birth of that, really. So um, just to give the uh, official premise of it before we maybe deep dive into why we're looking forward to seeing this is a 2023 biographical sports drama film directed by Ben Affleck and written by Alex Convery. The film oh. stars the likes of Matt Damon, Affleck, Jason Bateman, um, Chris Tucker, Viola Davis, and it puts the chronicle rise of the original of the original shoe titled Air Jordan. And, and Nike and it sort of focuses on the employees and how they strike a business deal with rookie basketball player Michael Jordan um, uh, firstly I really love the dynamic between uh, Matt Damon and Ben Affleck they have a real brotherly dynamic and brotherly love got a duo man yeah. got a duo yeah uh, I think the last type, last project that is I watched I think was The Last of Us which was directed by Ridley Scott really good film dark film dark dark film mm-hmm. tone, tone wise and some of the subjects matters, but I think they handled it with some of some some kind of care. Um, so, what's it called? The Last of Us. None of the Last of Us. Ah, oh, that's the series. I completely yeah, yeah. humbled. Um, 
<laughs> oh, what is the film called? You guys are gonna have to keep talking whilst I search this. Uh, uh, God, that, yeah. So, how retarded was I'm that mistake? It was ah, quite bad. Yeah. Focus on the mistake. I think so, man. Because if because if, 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 <laughs> if it was Manny, we, 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 we'd be on him. We'd be on him. Yeah. Uh, so, like, definitely, like, guys made a mistake there. Uh, um, we're all capable of making mistakes, though. So. I don't know why. He's the last jewel. Researching the last jewel. The last jewel. There we the go. The last jewel, man. That was a really good film. It was quite a dark, as I said, dark tonally, but such an enjoyable film. Yeah. Um, just in terms of some of the acting, um, I think I wrote a review about that film maybe you two did. years ago. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. So I'm really looking forward to just seeing the, the, the dynamic duo sort of working together. Love them, man. And obviously, Damon and, and Affleck have now started their own production company called Artist Equity, founded on the premise of profit sharing amongst not only directors but producers, actors, crew members, cinematographers, editors, and costume de designers. These man, these man, doing up title for for for, uh, for films. Crazy. Uh, any thoughts on, on, on that sort of uh, their, their production company? I think it's quite exciting for people that work in the, in the industry who maybe aren't given the, the, some of the dues that they're, they're supposed to for the hard yeah. work that they do. You know, a lot of the attention, a lot of the financial gain goes towards sort of directors, actors. Producers. Exactly. Especially and, uh, the producers. And it's interesting just to hear them. Yeah. It's interesting just to hear them sort of uh, sorting to build and enable equity amongst everyone involved in, in films and projects. So it'll be interesting to see how that, how that works, man. It makes you work harder as well. We, we've seen with um, A24, how like a small, you know, like a smaller- With air quotes. Yeah, a smaller production company with really cool concepts and talented uh, crew, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, can go out and make films across the world. You know, and absolutely with low budgets and 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 that kind of stuff, and kill it. So, um, I think it just adds it just adds uh, motivation, man. Like we've seen from anywhere, from an office space to a football team or wherever it is. Okay, like um, when you have more motivation to do what you do, more, most of the time there's a there's a there's a better outcome. Shout out to Antonio Conte. And interestingly, as we mentioned. Good one, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> um, their company's first film and movie will be aired. It's the story of how Michael Jordan and his family Cold. and a group of Nike exec executives revolutionised the business with one historic sneaker deal. It's crazy how that the the repercussions of that one deal have completely changed the course of sports, yep. sp fashion. Obviously now, listen, ev everyone's Marketing. Got, the world. Yeah, everyone's got a pair of Jordans. If they haven't, they've got a pair of their Air Forces. There's so many different Jordan shoes that are now sort of in fashion 30 odd years later so it's really interesting obviously the film will star Viola Davis are you excited by that casting he's going to play Michael Jordan's mother of course like the casting is incredible that's one of the first few things that like noticed that when I saw the trailer I was like I saw the people who are in it I was just like fuck like right. these men because the story in itself right like if you picture to a general public i think you don't really care about that yeah but uh, and this is kind of like the power of kind of uh ben affleck and uh matt damon in that sense where it's just like they took this concept and funny enough i think it is uh, ben affleck who's a massive sneakerhead as well we're gonna get into that actually he's got some really interesting quotes in this in this article so yeah like so it's kind of like thing as you said like if you uh bring in people who are kind of like passionate about something they're able to take something that might seem mundane to the general public and just make it lit just man. make it lit and that is so perfect and bringing in that acting cast because if it wasn't them two 
I don't think they could get the cost that they have for it. Now, it, so. it oh, there's so much to get into with this. Yeah, no, uh, is, so one of the one of the quotes that I really did find interesting, firstly, before we get into some of the other things, is that he spoke about the dynamic between him and Damon. Yeah. Uh, he said, essentially, I suppose the reason it works is that I trust him and I love him. And I know that he's somebody with integrity. In this business, failure is hard and success is confusing and can make you lose your bearings. Having that friendship is a touchstone of the years and makes it more meaningful. One of the things we reflected on when we did the last duel, great film, um, which is now Disney Plus, so you can check it out on Disney Plus. That caused us to want to do this company together is the fact we wish we had kept working together more over the years. We'd fell prey to the idea that if you don't have this individual career and do your own thing, people will associate, associate you together, that it will be limiting. And I, I, and I like the fact that it took them maybe more than 10, 20 odd years to come to the realisation that, listen, we can have our individual accolades, but we work well together. We're a, we are a great duo. Yeah. Why, why not? make that work it's sort of like essentially like you and bob i guess to us to, to obviously lesser extent no offense but like the idea that right you could easily have done your own thing and said oh i'm gonna do uh videographers and i'm gonna, gonna go into the music industry but you've married your two interests together to make what you're trying to make is essentially one of the most successful companies in the, in, in the country in the world so i think it's really cool just to see them to admitting and knowing that working together makes them stronger, you know? Yeah, you're right. It's quite funny about that, because at the moment, you're kind of starting to see the similarities between Michael B. Jordan and Jonathan Major as well. Run it. They've started to pitch themselves together to... The um, PR they've done for this film, yeah, has been absolutely together. outstanding. So it's right. actually quite quite an interesting thing, because at the moment, like, uh, acting duos all of a sudden start to come around. Even, uh, I mean, this is on a much smaller scale, but like on uh, TikTok, for example. Uh, Sorry, not yeah zoolander uh with obviously um ben stiller and owen oh, oh yeah oh yeah kind of like have become back oh, in yeah. the conversation and then this is the idea of like certain acting doers who just have this great synergy off screen but then as well on yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's an exciting time for filming and with the whole do you want to talk about his just lee comments quickly anyone of course i know you know a bit about it you... but sorry his just lee comments and his experience on the justice league and then obviously he's talking about james gunn earlier oh yeah yeah uh sorry um yeah no no, no. um yeah, like look. Man. I caught you off guard. Sorry if I have. No, 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 no. It's a good. It's, it's good. Uh, ben Affleck, man. Like, look, like I, I actually, you know, that I'm a massive fan of his actual Batman. Do you know what I'm saying? His and I'm so his, his that warehouse scene is goated, bro. It's so so sick, man. I'm 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 very upset that he didn't get to uh, direct uh, or 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 sorry that we didn't get to see his um, Batman and uh, the one that he wrote and directed and ended up just starring in it. It was really really weird uh, for him over those like over those like few years. That's definitely in the lost files. Um, I do think that um, Ben Affleck has an extremely creative mind. I think he's one of the few um, um, at, at few actors that go into directing that can actually do it well you know what i'm saying um so and he, and he writes well like you know like I, what i write about ryan reynolds is that he writes well you know what i'm saying okay ryan reynolds writes like super well and sometimes they don't have to be in it do you know what i'm saying but they yeah. write really well um so yeah like with him and his recent comments you know about not really being involved in james gunn's dceu um is upsetting for me personally is it the right thing for the dc for the DC um, EU, maybe in in J James Gunn's view, do I think James Gunn? Do I think that James Gunn knows what he's doing throughout the next five six years? I don't think so. Okay, but I think that he has a plan. You know, and what we've seen obviously with the recent Shazam film that we just touched on is that that, that plan might change every now and again, which is fair enough. Mm -hmm. So we might see him back. You know, and um, shout out to him. And I feel like that Affleck doesn't care about. 
the money. I don't, I, I don't think he cares about. I think it's just creative vision. So I, I think that if Gunn came back to him, I think he is has a lesson of ego to be like, cool, let's do this. You know what I'm saying? Uh, one of the interesting aspects of, of this uh, interview with the Hollywood Reporter was he spoke about uh, Jennifer Lopez's input, who's obviously now his girlfriend again. I don't think they're married again. Don't think so. They did get married, right? I'm not bugging. Bag- uh, I don't think so. Uh, they were Estelle? They were Lopez and Affleck. Jenny on the block they and did Affleck. Get married. They got, they, they they got married. No, no, they got married yeah. back in back in these days. Second time. Wow. But 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 not married. <laughs> they ran it back. They like Jordan. Back. Like, they're, they're married now. They got engaged. Wow. What? They got married. Look at that. Crazy. Wait, so Aerod got done. Love finds a way. Shout out to Bender. <laughs> Shout out to A-Rod. Shout out to A-Rod as well. He was like smiling bears for years. Um, but it was it, the interesting part of this interview, which is what really caught my eyes, his, his mentioning of black culture and, and its influence on the world today and Jennifer Lopez's input on that, which is interesting because of that whole uh, Ashanti thing, which is another conversation. That's probably not, it's probably not our yeah. conversation to probably, have. Probably, yeah, not but, our um, conversation to make. But, but he's, he, uh, quote, said, oh my God, she's brilliant. She's incredibly knowledgeable about the way fashion evolves through the culture. Mm. as a confluence of music, sports, entertainment and dance. She helped me into talking about the way in which part of the reason why Jordan's, the shoes, are so meaningful is because culture and style in America is 90% driven by black culture. Black culture... Run it. <laughs> run it. Black culture has historically pioneered music, dance and fashion and it's then been stolen, appropriated and remarketed as Elvis or whatever. Boy. Wow, and then in this case, Nike... I called early. And in this case, a Nike, which is a white-run corporate entity, was started to, starting to do business with African-American athletes in an identity affiliate sales thing. They were really taking value from what Michael Jordan represents and who he is. I don't think the meaning can be overstated. They're going to switch from, hey guys, we are nice you, to Mike has it if you want it. So like, listen, Michael Jordan and the influence of black culture cannot be uh, understated. And I'm glad he kind of mentioned that in the, in, the, in, the, in, mm. in the Hollywood Reporter of all sort of um, publications as well. Yeah. Really, really important. Yo, Esther, we we might have to clip that whole part up and just do it as a Ben Affleck quote from Gaz because that was really well spoken and I was mad. That was super insightful for for me. So, Mm -hmm. shout out to you, dog. Um, Guys, any other thoughts about this film before we maybe move on to talk about one of the series? We need to see more biopics like that. Okay. We need to see more ones. It was interesting because he uh, he reached out to Michael Jordan. They're actually card friends or something like that. Mm -hmm. He reached out to Michael Jordan and um, Michael Jordan said. I'm only going to allow this film to happen is if uh, Viola Davis plays my mum. I believe yeah. that was the case. Really? That's yeah. incredible, man. Really? Um, oh, and wow. obviously Chris Tucker's in it as well. Chris Tucker's a... He's yeah. a ledge. He's a ledge. He is a ledge, man. I like him more... I said this last time, I'd like him more as an actor than as a comedian. Comedian. Oh, fair. Um, but I'm really looking forward to... I know, interesting, this film isn't necessarily even about... It's about Jordan without Jordan necessarily being in the film. Yeah. I mean, it's, as you said, it's more about kind of like the... Evolution of, the evolution of Nike and how they got there. Nike, Mike. Mike, Mike. Nike. Yeah, but I, th- I think, I think just to back to his point about the influence of black culture. I'm not trying to be one of those. Guys. Actually, I'm going to be one of those guys. Yeah, black culture, black culture, black culture. Listen, run this thing, crazy, bro. Yeah, run, run the checks, man. Because I don't know, like, like we're doing this podcast here off our own backs. Yeah, who? Yo, yo you man, what's going on? Nike, Nike. I did anyone to be for anyone. We're starting out. Like, big... Jardins on. You get me? So. <laughs> yeah. I'm a Jardins on. Some uh, some are wearing Yeezys, so they're not even representing. I don't nah, know. I'm wearing Pumas. I don't think Sam actually be invited to certain screeners because they're wearing Pumas instead of Nikes, but that's another comment. I'm joking, I'm joking. It was crazy. Joking. Yeah, I actually, yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but yeah, we'll move on uh, to talking about one of, the, one of the things that's just captivated the year so far. This is a post-credit scene podcast brought to you by 14HQ. 
All right, cool. So, guys, what we're now going to do, I think it's the moment we've all been waiting for, really and truly. Uh-huh. Uh, it's been a delayed uh, response and review of The Last of Us, but we are here in the building, post credit scene podcast, which, if I haven't mentioned, which I think I did, it's a 14 HQ original. Yes. The post credit scene podcast is for young men who want to talk about film and TV. Um, I think it's one of the series that we are have been most excited to watch and talk about, and I don't know if we all expected it to be as good as it was. Mm, I didn't. But we're here to give the deep dive of all deep dives, you know. Um, we're going to give our thoughts of, on the strengths, the weaknesses, what, what what it did for television as a whole this year so far, yeah. and some of those stunning acting performances from uh, from the acting cast. Jason, for those that don't know, and I don't know how they don't, but they should do, yeah. but if they don't, give us a quick overview from your perspective of the, se- the game into the series and then what the, what the premise of this story is. All right, so just real quick with the premise. So The Last of Us follows the story of uh, Joel and Ellie who live in a post-apocalyptic world where yeah, yeah, the yeah. Uh, world has been taken over by these uh, this mushroom virus, uh, Cordyceps. Cordyceps, I baby. I believe, which kind of like, it's like a fungi in the brain which turns you into a mushroom zombie to put this... By the way, the clickers in the game are scarier than in, in, in the series. Oh, the clickers in the game? And... I know you haven't played the second one yet. And they're worse, isn't it? Oh, my days. Because you get, like, new types. Evolved. Crazy, crazy, crazy. Damn. But, um... Damn. Yeah, and pretty much, so, in the, in the premise of the game, uh, and the show, for that matter, is, so, Ellie is uh, immune to the Cordyceps virus, and... Mm, mm. Um, the story is Joel trying to take Ellie to a, a facility run by the Fireflies to kind of like figure out a cure. And we kind of like just see their journey from, uh, I think, from a Boston kind of like quarantine center to... No, they're trying to get to Boston. But I'm not sure where they left from. I'm just running on my mind. But no, it's they're not doing a, a long not journey. A stress, not a stress. It's a long journey. But like that's essentially the, the, the story. No, they started in... in- they started in Boston. Yeah, I believe uh, they did, and they went to Salt Lake, Salt Lake City. Yeah. Oh yes. They started in Boston. Yeah. yeah started yeah. in Boston, going to Salt Lake City, and kind of like it's just uh, following their journey from how they get from there to there, and things happen. And why did you enjoy the game? Quickly. Why did I enjoy the game? Uh, it's one of the first few games which kind of like blended the whole narrative of like, can games be as emotionally hitting as movies right it's one of the first few that really really did it like to a t because there's always been this argument about video games where it's like oh can it is it an art form because it's not as emotionally hitting as music or movies yeah. and like general art okay and it did that it That's did that for you yeah 100 did that for everyone but anyway. hey <laughs> come on so the last of us is an american post-apocalyptic drama television series created by craig mazin and neil Druckmann for hbo neil Druckmann also worked on the game for naughty dog right, it's though? based on the 2013 video game developed by naughty dog and the series is set in 2023 20 years into the pandemic caused by a mass fungal infection which forces its host to transform into zombie-like creatures and collapses the entire of society the series follows joel played by pedro Flipping Pascal. Firstly, round of applause for Pedro Pascal. Come on. Yeah, what an actor that 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 man. What's the stat, Jason, about something about he's never had like a below a nine or something crazy like that? There you go. You just said it. Come on, man. You know the vibes. Show that he's been involved crazy. in as a whole has never been below crazy. nine. So you know what kind of quality that you're getting. Crazy. Crazy. He's resume. Listen, him in Game of Thrones? Cold. As the Viper? Cold. Crazy. Brazy. Mandalorian? I haven't watched it, but I know it's Brazy. Oh, cold. man. Come on. He's cold, man. Cold. Season three He's out cold. as well. Friend of the show. Friend of the show. Big friend of the show. If you ever want to do a junket or you want to come on a pod, listen, I got you. 
Run it, man. We'll get, get you. I'll we'll, be there this time. We'll, we'll get you an Uber Lux, fam. Big man thing. Like, uh, we'll, we'll put out. Don't worry about the SUV. We'll get you the Lux. Get me. Yeah, we'll get you a nice Lux, man. You know what I'm saying? Carl be driving this, fine. Don't worry. So you'll see. Jesus be, Christ. Don't want to kill him. Yeah. <laughs> the seat will be pushed back. <laughs> um, the series follows Joel, pe- uh, played by Pedro Pascal, who is a smuggler tasked with escorting a teenage el- uh, teenager called Ellie, played by Bella Ramsey. Secondly, round of applause for Bella Ramsey. Come on. Game of Thrones as well. <laughs> Listen, that's when I first was like, she's cold. She played yeah. uh, the, I think the niece. I can't remember the character in Game of Thrones. This is mm-hmm. poor. But yeah, she's so character. I think she came into the series in se- uh, season seven. And yeah, she was one of the few highlights of what I thought was a poor back end of Game of Thrones. Mm. Her character and the way she played that sort of commanding role as like, what, a 10, 11 year old. Superb act- su- superb acting, shall I say. Um, but yeah, uh, they're a squad. Uh, Joel is escorting Ellie um, across a post-apocalyptic United States. And The Last of Us was sort of filmed uh, from 2021 to 2022. And it is the first HBO series which is based on a video game. It's also joint in production with Sony Pictures Television and PlayStation Production as well as Naughty Dog, Mighty Mint and Word Games. We got there. We got there. We're there. We're there. We're there. Where do we start? I think we start with the start. I think we start with the very first episode. Mm Mm-hmm. And the, the way they've set the scene for this... Listen, bro, I'm even smiling. The way they set the scene for this series for me was was phenomenal. And I, I don't want to be one of those guys that overhypes this project because I can understand, like, oh, it's not that good. It, Shut up. You can't overhype it because, like, look at the stats, look at the numbers. Record-breaking Record-breaking numbers, numbers, bro. Yeah, 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 yeah. It is crazy because, like, I think they held an average of, like, 6.7 mil per app. Topped Game of Thrones numbers as well. I've got the stats here actually. So the audience uh, for release night of all the uh, episodes for season one, mm-hmm. episode one four point seven million. That was already record breaking. Episode two five point seven million. Episode three six point four. Episode four seven point five million. Episode five eleven point six million. Obviously that was due to the Super Bowl, so they kind of yeah. screened it early. Episode six seven point eight. Episode seven seven point seven. Episode eight eight point one. And episode nine eight point two. That's ridiculous. Million. That doesn't even, in my mind, it kind of doesn't even make sense, but I believe it. Yeah, you have to believe it. The stats are there, man. Um, Retention rate is crazy. Crazy. Like, firstly, the, the opening scene for yeah. me uh, of episode one was was an absolute delight. Sort of the fictional 1968 television broadcast mm. where the ep- epidemiologists, I've definitely butchered that word, epidemiologists, uh, they sort of discussed the fungus-driven pandemic in this futuristic world. Mm. Bro, it kind of sets the tone for the whole series in mm. terms of firstly how dark and how gritty the series is going to be mm. without necessarily that much action it's more the premise of what could be it's more the premise of these characters and what's going on in their lives and how this pandemic has forced them to adjust their behaviors mm-hmm. beautifully done um the i don't know who the actor was but the guy that was describing how this fungus is going to evolve and is going to be a big threat to society did a superb job of just tone setting and creating this environment of like guys be careful yeah this is what's gonna happen jason any thoughts what's any thoughts talk to me talk to me uh well the thing is and i think we've spoken about this uh, um on the first ep of season two anyway of uh kind of like with new shows that they're adapting something right, right. you always need you don't want it to be an exact same thing because then it's like what what's the point of mm. talk to me know, looking at that and the difference uh, and what's so good about the opening scene is it's like they set the tone which is something that they didn't do obviously in the game in the game i kind of like started off with just uh, right. Joel, but like just setting the tone and just kind of like 
adding context to the wider world about just world building in general it makes you feel a lot more immersed it makes you feel like shit this could happen in our world which it's going to by the way could. it's dramatic yet informative and i think catching the balance of both and making it science related and making it you know sort of possibly factual yeah but on on the factual facts of on the basis of facts salashe add some depth to the story which you wouldn't necessarily get from and the timing yeah. by the way we yeah. just came out of like a, 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 a pandemic a, 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 bro pandemic, pandemic as well like so you can't even cough on the train and that yeah or in the studio yeah, bro <laughs> I, listen, i'm not i'm not i'm not even even vexed <laughs> run the virus <laughs> yeah i really love the opening for the first for the first episode mm. um i just feel as like it was really surprising yet immersive at the same time and it kind of deals with the gravity of the topic of the cordyceps yeah of the virus outbreak and you know what is what, what i really loved it shone a light on human beings which we can get into maybe with the opening of the second episode yeah it shines a light on us as people as the audience who are we looking after our planet the way we should yeah and if we're not are we then causing ourselves harm are we exactly. are we it, it asks wider questions on ourselves and i think like a good thing about a, a really good show is for me anyway like if they're able to kind of like blend like kind of like fiction as well as like the uh, non-fiction of our world and we start questioning ourselves like shit are we doing right by the world and not to say that you know ever will happen obviously we don't know but the fact that it starts making you asking questions like that already is kind of like you're already setting yourself apart from various other shows yeah definitely definitely episode two and i think that again those two first openings really did set the tone for this series as a whole. Uh, opens in Jakarta in Indonesia two days prior to that. That was so cool. To that. Yeah. Go on, talk to me. Uh, that, you know me, man. I love a, 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 a flashback scene. I love one, man. Um, just getting like the insight of like a possible patient zero. You know what I'm saying? Okay, probably not, but like possible like patient yeah, yeah, six. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Like where it can start and where it ended up becoming, obviously, um, is is massive it kind of re reminded me of planet of the apes when he sneezed and then got, gets he's happens to be a pilot and then goes yeah, yeah, the planet yeah. and then it kind of spreads and everything you know what i'm saying so like um that was that was really really cool to um uh to see and then it was the fear you know and it was um the doctor kind of like set the tone for the rest of the series of like how serious Again, this, yeah, this yeah. issue was like the, you know it is okay like we got in the first episode okay we got the the tone set by physically like sorry by by visually seeing it you know what i'm saying like we're seeing it all break out and it going crazy everyone panicking we're seeing that in the second one it was a calmer but more um it was grim man yeah, yeah it was so grim because it was like she was she was taking her time and she, and she was scientifically explaining why this is the end of the world you know she sat there and, and was like it's done you know yeah, like, yeah, like, like there's no cure for it like yeah like we're done out we're done out and she was like i have to go back home like you know to my say bye to my family yeah, yeah you know and stuff like that and that and that pff. and you could actually see the, the the fungal infection sort of doing its like yeah which ah! fucking, like production ah, and the, like, the, my God. The, the makeup artists and everything it's like, disgusting it is nasty and we're gonna get to a further episodes where like i thought was the highlight of, oh cool like, cool yeah. thing of it but like cold man just able to kind of like visualize the cordyceps and how serious that is like you know in the second episode where they like, where she's done the cut and yeah. she sees like the fucking fungus ah oh, <laughs> disgusting mm. 
It's cold, uh, man. Yeah, it's cold. It's cold. Yeah, man. Um, so mycologist Ibanu Ranta is recruited by the Indonesian uh, military to examine a sample of cordyceps infection taken from a human being. The significant for this the significance of this for me was because in the first episode we were told that the human body can't host the cordyceps because our temperature, I think, the temperature of the body isn't hot enough or something along those Yeah, lines. exactly. Uh, isn't no, I think it's too hot for the actual mushroom to survive. And then if it gets to a point where the or the actual fungus, I should say. Can't survive in the human host. Uh, can't survive in the human host. But if the fungus can survive those temperatures through whatever, then we're in big trouble. And the idea is that it's the idea or the premise or it's suggested that this is due to global warming and increased temperature of the planet. Yeah. Which again goes back to the point we spoke about where it makes us reflect on how we're looking after the world that we live in and our behaviours and our patterns and so on and so forth. Correct. Really, really interesting, man. Really, really good. Both openings for me were one of the highlights for me. I did write an article about it. I don't know when it's coming out, but it should be out soon. You can check it out on 14 HQ. 14 mag, 14 mag, 14 mag. 14 mag. It should be out by the time this episode's out, so yeah. That's dope. That's cool. Um, let's just freestyle this. And I mean that in the sense of we know what we're talking about. But firstly, Pedro Pascal and Bella Ramsey. Talk to me, guys. Um, I think that that there was a theme of leadership from episode one to nine. I think that Bella Ramsey and uh, Pedro um, Pascal uh, embodied that, you know, like um, guys, he used to spoke about like the human factor of it. Okay. You know, that how we see like our people react, you know, in certain ways and stuff. Now, when now, like we're in the post apocalypse world and that kind of stuff in every community they face from episode one to, to nine, uh, represents a different type of leadership you know you, you like you never go there and someone's like you know riding solo it's always a part of something you know what i'm saying even when you meet like the like you know the brothers in, in episode six uh, you know what i'm saying okay like the obviously the older brother is leading them you know somewhere <laughs> you know what i'm saying and even that he had a leader in so he had the doctor that was you know helping him out uh, you know and every and um it, their relationship bella's uh and pedro's uh like their whole relationship was based off them fighting over leadership at the start. Do you know what I'm saying? Okay, yeah. It was based off like, yo, like, I don't take you seriously. You should take me seriously. And then it got to a point where where they started to respect each other every single episode a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And then that respect turned to care, but that care turned to love, you know? And yeah. and, and and it was it was it was beautiful it was beautiful kind of seeing it. Um it's I thought that the relationship wasn't clear towards the end, but I, I feel like that. that was on purpose. What do you mean by that? Not that I'm dismissing. You. I think the series actually plateaued um, towards the last two two episodes for me. Anyway, I think that the series was like this, going up, 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 and then it hit like the middle. The middle it peaked, and I, I feel like the last two episodes it kind of just did this. It it didn't go like that. It just it just like plateaued. It just yeah. it just it just did did that, and um, I think that's because like we. Everything you want from a series like this, yeah, like the most scary part about like a post-apocalyptic film or series mm. is is that it can get boring, right? Is that eventually because you have such limited characters, limited yeah. times to introduce them, um, it, it could it could really get boring. But what they've done is that they built stories within. Pedro and Bella's stories, which yeah. was incredible. Like even having like you know the couple, um, Bella Frank. Yeah, yeah, like Bill and Frankie. Even, yeah. even having them, you know, take up like a, like an episode, whole episode and a on half. Their own. <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. like an hour and twenty odd minutes. Yeah, 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 like a whole episode on on their own. Episode, actually. Yeah, which by the way still had Joel in it. 
<laughs> do you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, it still related them like to it. Like to to have that actually puts less pressure on Joel and Ellie's story. Do you know what I'm saying? But then when you get back to it, you go, oh my god, yeah. Like let's take what these men had and look. Think about like think about Bill and um and Frank. Yeah, same thing. They met. It was hostile. It was untrustworthy. It was everything. It, it went from that to respect for what Bill has done, or, um, and then from that to love, to care. Do you know what I'm saying? Every, to loss. Yeah. Loss as well. Two, like, two, two, two loss. I think every community they meet represents a time uh, uh, in their relationship. Jason, what is your response to that? Like, I know you disagree. I, well, I feel like you. I felt like you did. No, 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 I'm not disagreeing. I'm not disagreeing in the sense that I plateaued uh, in that sense. I can see where you're coming from. I think it's just because it, there's a little bit different because, like, you know, when you play the game, it's just because for me, I was just ex super excited to see what was going to come on screen because I knew what was going to happen in a sense. I disagree in the fact that it plateaued because especially in the last two episodes, yeah, like... As to what happened, I think. Can we just get into it? The last few episodes, bro. What do you mean, yeah, bro? Like, well, well, do you know what? Go we'll ahead, just get into it. So, with uh, episode um, eight, obviously, like in the previous episode, um, uh, Joel got uh, stabbed, got injured, and you see Ellie kind of like on her own, having to survive on her own, man. Yeah, yeah. Own. And by that point, obviously, Ellie and Joel have kind of already built like a very trustful relationship. She's been trained now for a few months, exactly. you know what I'm saying? Exactly. So. And, um, and they've been through a lot already, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, they've already been through a lot. So, what happens is that obviously, with uh, Ellie now that uh, Joel's injured, she's on her own and she's gonna have to try and, uh, you know, uh, nurse him back to health. And with that comes with like hunting trying to get medicine and whatnot and she runs into a tribe right of people which again I that wasn't cool either by the way wasn't cool where was the people when like when like the fire happened okay i just kept i just kept like wondering like the people that are part of that community none of them were screaming there was nothing like like where, where was everyone you know what i'm saying and when them just kind of like walked away and said oh let's go and like hugged each other and bopped off and i was just i was just baffed man for me that was the weakest community they met i think that was the weakest episode ever but even though you might say it was the weakest community but the character characterization of david for me yes. was so interesting yeah. because the way they elaborated on him from the game which again i guess is the is the only thing which gives that episode to me some extra uh props Exactly. They elaborated on his character superbly. They made him like uh, a Christ, yeah. like a Christ savior. Yeah, yeah. man who kind of like in the game he's not like that. Yeah, in the game he's not like that, and that's and that's what I think is so good about the series because they've cho chosen uh, and fair play to uh, Neil Druckmann and Craig Mason, uh, Mason, who have taken certain moments from the game where they man. felt like they didn't elaborate enough or people had like problems with it or weren't ready for that at that time I think like the world has kind of moved don't get me wrong I'm not saying that they still did like Ellie you could tell Ellie was gay in the game yeah, yeah. yeah but they they I don't think that on screen in 2013 a child being Which is quite that way inclined because they, they did DLC on that where they kind of like shown her you know, uh, with her and Riley, right? Her and Riley, yes. They, that was like an extra DLC that wasn't out in the base game. They just added on extra, like, I think, 
mid 2014 that they brought it out so they've already kind of like touched on these whole things where it's just like this is a wider story and we are trying to touch like even things that people might be uncomfortable to talk about because like obviously the conversation about lgbt and stuff like that it's caused a lot of uh, debate online caused a lot of debate online like, even to this day so you can only imagine how it was a lot of a lot of weirdos a lot of weirdos exactly exactly but um like just as a whole the way they were just able to kind of like take those moments and kind of like elaborate like they did it with bill and frank with the story between bill and frank in the game was actually it's minimalistic it was not only minimalistic but also very very different so in the series obviously mm-hmm. we've had them being a loving couple to each mm. other but in the game mm. frank hated bill because of the survivalist aspect and she was and he left the letter right for him that you can give to bill like that was just an extra thing that they added where if bill reads it like bill's just like i fucking hate you too frank but obviously it's very much like bill to be fair in the game but in the in the story you see them just building such a loving relationship with each other and stuff like that and i think it's just those aspects where they were just like let's just change it a bit i think it's so so i think one of the interesting things that they were able to do within like a span of an hour episode so some of the characters you only met for one episode right so sam and his his brother for example bill and frank for example we only met them for what an hour maybe an hour 10 20 minutes Yet they were able to make us relate to the characters, feel for the characters, mm. love what they have and then despise what they've lost yeah. and hate what they've lost and feel sorry for what they've lost, which is so interesting because you can watch a movie for two hours and 30 minutes and not relate to any character, their story, or give a give a shit about what's happened to them. But they've managed to make these characters so immersive and interesting within the space of such a short, short exactly. time. And the epitome of that for me has been Sam and Harry. Yeah. Like... The brothers, yeah. The brothers and with Sam and Harry especially in the game that shit was sad as well but like I think one again the differences the the key difference that made me even a lot more like emotionally attached was that they made Sam I believe who was the younger brother um, immune and deaf Mm -hmm. and whatnot and uh, I can't remember the actor the young actor's name which is my apologies on that but like all the credit to him the way that story even though it's the exact same in the game just that one particular aspect just made it feel a lot more emotionally hitting and then like yeah that, that, that was a cool story man that was really cool story. and the way it ended was was insane and then man. ellie obviously she was like she she knew he had turned already she yeah. tried to save him but knew exactly. uh, yeah beautifully beautifully written and well adapted from the game mm-hmm. and as you mentioned it's an it's an elaboration on the game rather than the game adaption yeah it's made a they've world built from I won't call it a minute or small world, but they've made a they've made been able to elaborate on such a concise story and made it something so much bigger, more beautiful. Yeah, so, really, really good. What's your favorite episode, guys? Favorite episode? Uh, oh, oh I have two. Go on. Yeah, go for it. Um, the episode where we meet Sam and uh, Harry. Harry. Yeah, where is that? Five not, uh, I don't know, but it's not. Five, it's not when it ends. It's when we meet them, and then they, and then, um, no, actually, no, it is, it is when it ends. Actually, yeah, because uh, that's when he gets bit, right? That's when Sam gets. Um, yeah, we get, the bloater comes out, and yeah. all the the clickers and the yeah, the, the, that the clicker thing when that came out, I I I, I feel like for like that was episode series. five because that was Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah. So that needed to happen. You know, it kind of felt like in, in like Game of Thrones. Okay, we're like Game of Thrones, like. Every season needs like a big war. <laughs> Do yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like you, you like you need to see what everyone everyone keeps talking about. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? But you know what's interesting that you say that they didn't rely on 
and I, I mentioned this in, in the article, plugging myself again, they didn't rely on the on the action to make this series and to drive the story. Exactly, the bro. Yeah. They just used it to drive when character something's gonna something's point, gonna happen yeah. to your character. Exactly. Or, or you need to protect someone, someone needs saving, someone's gonna die. It drives their purpose and drives what they need to do. Rather than let's just throw a thousand hundred clickers into the series and just have I was, every episode. I was so happy about that. I was so happy that 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 that, that, that there wasn't bare clickers in every single episode. It's, especially towards the end, you base twenty. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. Okay. It became a story about It was great people versus people. people's relationships yeah, yeah. People's relationship and that's that's always the best thing because like the the zombie genre in itself like is a little bit of a cliche genre at this point because you've had so many zombie type films where it's always been the people versus the zombies yeah right and the way people have been trying to do that is kind of like um flip that and say like okay let's just use the zombies as a backdrop to see how people will react within it survival instincts survival instincts you see in the qz especially in the qz but from sam and harry whether from like um who was the villain in that i think in that kate i believe oh yeah yeah yeah. who she was from a rebel group who kind of like uh has you know risen up against the qz because the qz itself because they thought oh shit we're in a post-apocalyptic world let's just go a little bit totalitarian and you know like use the peoples as slaves and because we've got the weapons because we've got the guns let's just insert and, ourselves yeah and the, and the medicine the science all that exactly, kind of stuff exactly and all that stuff so it's, it's kind of those things where it's just like again uh where you mentioned it's like how do we treat our world where it's just like like it, it brings up the question how are we as people going to react to a post-apocalyptic world are we just gonna fucking throw the shit in the bed or are we still going to be as civilized as we are today impossible um but my my favorite my favorite 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 episode though is definitely beyond uh frank um i think i said uh before i it's in my opinion it is one of the best single episodes for a series i've ever watched oh. in, in in my life like I, in my life like top 20 easily top 20 single episodes i've ever watched in my life that is that is fair like not saying series i'm just saying single episode that i've watched bro it's just so sick man it is so sick jason what about you best episode Uh, best episode for me has to be episode eight interesting you've gone against hussan no no i agree like i'm not mad at it eight Episode eight because that's the one where I think Ellie, El, uh, Bella Ramsey turns in the clinic, absolute clinic towards the end. Of that clinic, yeah, in that episode, man. Like that, and even even uh, like Joel scene because that was, I think because the thing between uh, or throughout the entire show, uh, Pedro Pascal as Joel has been very limited within the uh, emotional range that he can show because obviously. You know, he's kind of like hardened, gritty. He's right. like, I don't give a fuck about it. Lost anything. his daughter. Exactly, lost his daughter. And I think at the point of episode eight where he... He was soft. When he did kind of like... When he when he felt that love for... Uh, he was Eddie, open to being vulnerable to her, man. He was being vulnerable to her and he... He chose violence mm. where he was like... When, that interrogation scene? Was that episode eight I'm thinking of? Yeah, it is episode eight. Oh yeah, it was episode where, eight where he, oh where he oh yeah 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 bro he's so cold where he's just like look like he's talking to his boys and he, the, to the guy's boy and he's like yo mark on the map like where you yeah that was it outpost is and he had the knife in his mouth that was cold man and I'm gonna ask your boy like to confirm it. and if you're lying and the whole he, time yeah I was thinking like 
He put his knife in his mouth, yeah, the knife's got bare blood in there, I and mean, he's going to tap it on the map, but then the guy's going to see the, the, the blood mark on the map, so he's just going to pick the same place, right? And I was like, this is, this is flawed. And then he killed him anyway. And I was, <laughs> I was like, anyway. all right, yeah, cool. <laughs> and it's just like, even in the game, right, that was such a fucking sick pivotal moment. And uh, funny enough, like, in preparation of this episode, I watched a three-hour breakdown of the game. Anyway, um, you, um, good research. And within within that dedication right, to the podcast, I like it. Uh, and within that, right, like the uh, so the the kind of like the the narrator of of the video was pretty much talking about how that was actually kind of like a uh, like a, a flaw for him because it was like Joel is supposed to be still injured, so how can Joel all of a sudden be healthy and mm. be a savage like that? And the one thing. And I would like to say that Neil Druckmann watched that video and saw, okay, cool. With Pedro Pascal, like he wasn't all of a sudden the superhero again. He was still very much injured. You can see it within his acting. You can see it within the kind of like the interrogation scene that with every move, he still has to be calculated and limited because he's not back to his full health yet. He's still stumbling, but he's still getting the job done. And like Pedro Pascal, like the moment like like he's, he's just a brilliant actor man and i think that was the, be the best acting performance from him in 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 that series and the episode really allowed him to to get in his life <clears throat> i think his best acting performance for me was episode nine and i think he, he was soft and i think that's that that, he was that and up. i think that's why that's yeah. partly why i think he had a character journey from season for most mm -hmm. episode one where he felt hardened by his relationship with Sam and, and the loss of Sam mm -hmm. um, and having to carry this burden of Ellie with Ellie Even Tess as well and, yeah. sorry not Sam Sarah uh, not, he lost Sarah but he didn't, Sarah. He didn't lost Tess sorry Tess, give me yeah. not Sam and, and I feel as though his character Ellie went from a burden to Okago okay that. Oh. nice <laughs> to, to somebody who essentially was now a daughter to him mm -hmm. um, and I think the fact he lied to her because he felt as though he had to lie to her to keep her and to ensure that he didn't lose her yeah. showed the depth of his love for her despite it being the wrong thing to do yeah exactly and I think Marlene asked the interesting question well would Ellie want this but then Marlene's situation was Marlene wasn't giving Ellie a choice either and it's such an interesting concept of like uh, characters thinking they know best for another person or somebody or for the world for the world but you haven't even consulted the world you haven't consulted that person asking them what they think you've made a decision for them you make that point and this is going to be a, a slight pivot you're going to enjoy the second game oh the sequel, nice. but, uh, the second. Do, you, do, do you know what I thought was, was crazy in that moment I actually think yeah, but Joel actually felt um, comfortable in his decision after when Ellie woke up in, in the car and she said to him she, uh, he, he, he was like, oh, the drugs are, are wearing off. Ever she was like, what? She was like, oh, what drugs? Because because obviously Marlene sold it like she was she was volunteering. <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? And that kind of stuff. So like she was trying to tell Joel like, yo, like she did this happily, blah blah blah. Whereas you can, whereas her saying what drugs, I think made Joel think, All right, cool, like she didn't have a choice here, so that's fine. Do you know what I'm but saying? I think that scene was so interesting because the counteracting scene towards the end where she asked, she she says to him. Um, are you telling makes you about makes you think like, something she, else she knew yeah she knew she knew and that, she knew and that's what i think is so good and uh, like even uh like and just going back to the games and that scene as well both the voice actor and uh bella ramsey they were still able to like kind of like capture the moment within silence where you can just see 
on her face where she knows that Joel's lying. But like, again, same way that Joel loves her, she has that same love for Joel as well, where she's just like, okay, cool. Do you know what? I'm just not going to question this no more. And kind of Interestingly, the, the, the voice actor for Ellie in the game plays her mother in the series. Yes, uh, yeah. which is actually quite a fun thing as well. So, because the, the uh, voice actor for Joel, Joel is so the priest guy. Not the priest guy, but like the second hand. The second hand to... Ah, crazy. And uh, I can't remember, Troy Baker. Um, yeah, that's nuts, name. man. And I just I just like this kind of like, it, it's, it's a fan service moment, but I feel like with those adaptations, especially with gaming it's nice gamers as a general like it's kind of a nice touch to be like okay cool you know you're by the way the, 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 the person that played Bella Ramsey's mum looked exactly, exactly like, like her yeah 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 yeah. I thought it was like some, some, some Marvel CGI shit fam but like, it's also going on fam like, it's, it's just great casting like that's looked exactly like, like her bro the production even the Marlene casting really good to be fair Marlene yeah like look, she looks like Marlene in the game Exactly. Or similar, you, at least. Similar. Do you know also that scene with Marlene and Bella's mum, um, Ellie's mum? Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was so interesting, man, because like, I actually thought it kind of like paralleled to the, that last conversation between Joel and um, Ellie at the end, where she was like, you know, are you telling the truth? And then he was like, yeah. And she was like, okay. You know, and it was kind of like where she was like, kill me. And she was like, no, I can't do that. And then turns around and kills her. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It, for me, For me, it was like, it was like I think they both knew they were being lied to, and I, I think that the representation of Marlene shooting her is that eventually Eddie's gonna obviously find out the truth and then kind of, kind of maybe want revenge or whatever. Well, whatever it is, yeah, whatever it but is, it's like, but it, I I I just I I just think like and you know when Joel was like yo you don't understand and then Marlene was like oh, I'm the only person that understands yeah. you know like that that's my best friend's kid that I said well, that I would keep safe that I had to kill I had to kill her and now I'm, I'm about to kill her daughter do you know what I'm saying so like, it, like he, that in itself is like a heavy burden on, on Marlene as well like it's just it's, just, it, it's, it's fucking hell like, you say it's heavy burden it's yeah fucking brilliant <laughs> even like but I, I didn't feel like episode 9 I, wasn't my favourite and I, I thought it, it was my favorite because it ended kind of um, mysteriously, which is fine. I don't mind that. You know, it just wasn't... It's set up for the sequel. Ig- exactly. You know, it felt like Harry Potter well, second season, definitely had us part one. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Um, but then you got like a thing... When Joel went through the hospital and just killed all the fucking firefighters, yeah, I was at myself, how... Is it, is this fucking nigga like, like John Wick now? Like I'm baffed. In the uh, game, okay. that's, uh, and that's the interesting part. So I think that's one of the reasons why, for example, there wasn't as much inflicted, uh, not infected in the game, in the series mm-hmm. as there was in the game, because he isn't someone. He isn't a superhero. He's essentially someone that's a, a hardened sort of uh, civilian. Mm-hmm. Essentially, he's not anyone that's sort of trained. He's not a spy. He's not superhero. But he was walking through the hospital. Walking. He wasn't running. He was walking, going pa. It's just one of those concessions that you have to make because it's like it's such a fantastical thing. world. I think exactly. you can give that blight of like, okay, I hear you, I bro. Hear criticism, she but. the f- the first thing that Marlene said to him was, "Oh, it took us months to get here, and only uh, only a few of my men uh, survived." Like like him the whole trip and the same thing with them guys okay they they start with terrorists and other people that died along along the way. So um, you know Sam and blah 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 like cool. 
but it's like you've gone through all that you got there and then some one don is just gonna like run through all your whole soldiers soldiers army different guns different bulletproof vests this and that we know they're building more, more than he does he this is the first time there ever he ran through all of them and he, and he didn't just like run through them like oh like that was like a lucky break he did it with ease bro with ease and then right at the end okay when he shot her uh, like uh, as well like that was so obvious like episode nine for me i think was maybe a homage to the game maybe it was like it was 100 like, yeah 100%, but I, it was but i don't know because it's hard to it's hard to change endings because endings make they make they yeah. like they make series they make uh, them I, I i i i hear your your criticisms of it and stuff like that i just gotta disagree and i think it is because as you said it's a homage to the games and Mm. You know, me and guys, I think, kind of speak for the both of us here. Like, we're fans of the game. Yeah, so, that's cute. Yeah, but like, as a series, though, <laughs> like, <laughs> if let's it's give good. our let's give our ratings before we round <laughs> yeah, up. Yeah, uh, Hus, give a rating for the for the series. Uh, eight point eight. Eight point eight. You're giving Pedro Pascal, the man known for being in a show not below nines, an eight point eight. Go on, Jace. Uh, eight point <laughs> nine. Jace, go on. Prick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, I'm gonna give it a nine. My God, you must have. Uh, I'm gonna give it eight point eight. Sorry, I'm with horse. Gonna give it an eight point eight. Eight point eight. Fair enough. I could have done with a few more infected. Not too many. Not overkill. Same. Just a bit more. Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't. I don't really have criticism. I can't lie. I, I'm not going to try to pretend and look for criticisms. When uh, very, I, don't I, I, think I wish episode eight had, um, uh, there was a bigger community introduced with the same evil Don. You know what I'm saying? I, and I liked the angle, right, of that episode, episode eight, where um, it was now Ellie's trauma. You know, when she came out of that in episode nine, she actually was a, was a lot different. You know what I'm saying? She was way nicer, not nicer, but she was going through something because someone tried to, you know, take it to the next level take without without shooting her or anything actually try to do something that could change like the way that she looks at life completely and even someone attempting that has changed the way that she, that she looks at that okay yeah. and for her like she felt um every every single threat that joel made in the first three episodes or four episodes where he was still kind of warning her about how people are disgusting and horrible every single threat that was made like like that was was the was the was the epitome of it do you mm -hmm. know what i'm saying mm -hmm. and i like that i love that about that part of it and i liked the villain you know cool i didn't like the community around the villain i, I just thought it was so weak i just thought like it didn't it didn't scare me as as as, as much as I thought it would mm. whereas with like Kate in in like yeah, the pre yeah, pre previous like you felt like she like the scary part about her was that she had, she had a loyal loyal community around her that would do anything like, like for her so see the difference is before we round up I didn't feel anything for Kate on her character what she brought I felt more threatened by the crazed uh, David in yeah, episode David, eight. I agree with you about the community aspect. She had a stronger community. I think he had a stronger presence. I think David had a stronger presence. I, no, no, I think you're right. I think you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think you're right. I just wish that the community wasn't maybe not as strong as like Kate's community, but maybe just a little a bit little stronger. Bit. I think that Bro, they were they were eating the the, the the girl's dad fam. Yeah, yeah, uh, exactly. but they didn't know crazy. that. Kind they of didn't know that. Crazy. But like, yeah, we, 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 we survival instincts. Yeah, there's a lot exactly. to get into. There's a lot to get into. That we don't have to <laughs> um, so what, what we're going to do, we're going to run up for today, the post credit scene podcast, which is a what? It's a 14 HQ original, you know the vibes. Sure. Um, I'm, I'm going to predict the next few weeks, we've got a John Wick episode coming out maybe 
a couple of days after you hear this, um, so we're going to be fast on the edits. Bear with us. Um, we're going to be trying to get to as many screenings as possible. We're going to try and watch as much TV and film as possible. Um, so yeah, follow us on the TikTok. If you like our content, I think there's some decent stuff on there. I think you should do that. Yeah. I think our social cuts are really cold. I think Estelle's killing it. I think she's doing an amazing job. Yes. I think we're doing a half decent job as hosts for the podcast. Yeah. So follow us yeah. on the TikTok. Shout out to Manny. Um, the studio smells a lot better today. Uh, <laughs> 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 um, follow us on TikTok, man. Post Credit Scene Podcast. Follow us on Instagram, Post Credit Scene Podcast. On YouTube, 14HQ Originals. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yep. And follow 14HQ as a whole if you fuck with the vibes. Um uh, 14.mag for yep. any reviews. Jason, Jason wrote something recently. Talk to them. Did I? You wrote, uh, didn't you not write a review recently? Oh, for Creed. Creed 3. Yeah. Also, you know, which will come out soon, maybe after this episode, for what, Gaz's... Oh, oh yeah. The Last of Us. Well. The Last of Us will come out, yeah, probably tomorrow, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think it's an okay read, so please check it's it out. It's an okay read. He's just trying to humble himself, so... Post credit scene podcast over and out. Let's go. Boom! This is a post-credit scene podcast brought to you by 14HQ.